All right, welcome to Hobby Time with Dirt Nasty. I am Keith. I go by Dirt Nasty on Twitter and Dirt Nasty underscore pod on Instagram. Today I was joined again by my friend Nathaniel. We had an awesome conversation. It was a lot of fun. We talked about his through the mail project, and he's got some really cool returns. So that was that was awesome to hear. We talked some All Star Game stuff. We tried to suss out why shooting guards were so beloved in the hobby. We talked about 1961 Fleer. It was a really and, and spotlighted some PC cards. It was a really great conversation. And I hope you enjoy it. Let's get to it. All right, Nathaniel, what's what's up with you? Uh, not too much. Uh, have a couple days off here, so I'm just chilling. How about you? Same thing. I got, uh, nice. got the day off and taking care of some stuff around the house and, and everything, but and doing some work stuff too, but for the most part, a nice easy day. Okay, that's great. Um buying anything uh card related recently I, you know i really haven't been buying much i uh i have been listing a lot of one you know one to two dollar cards <laughs> which uh is kind of a pain in the butt and is really certainly not worth the time i'm sure uh at least from a dollar's perspective but i also am in a space where i need to get rid of some stuff so not not for not for the money but just for the space right like i'm just I keep yeah. everything here in my office and at or around my desk, and it's just I'm kind of getting overwhelmed with stacks of cards everywhere. So I just started listing, listing a whole bunch of stuff, and been making a lot of a lot of sales. You know, I'm not making any money <laughs> from it, um, but you know, it's it's fulfilling the purpose, right? Clearing nice. the space and everything. You, so you told yeah. me you had some success with the eBay promotion sort of thing. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, I used to always list everything promoted. And then uh, more recently, I was like, you know what, I'll just put it all out there. I'm not going to pay the extra, you know, 5%, 2%, 9%, whatever it is. Um, and you get to choose, you know, what you what level you want to promote it at. Um, and then finally, I got to a point where it's like, all right, these things haven't been moving. Either I'm going to have to take it off and just give it away, or um, I'll just promote it and, you know, get some get some uh some feedback ratings or whatever for it at, at minimum. So yeah, That's started, pretty cool. started doing that and started, you know, I made like for like 12 sales in the last two days, which for me is uh, kind of a lot, yeah. uh, at least in, from a volume perspective. Yeah. For me, that's a lot too. Do you, uh, do you always list everything individually or do you lot these little things up? You know, I, I've tried to do some lots and stuff before, but most of what I like, you know, selling six or eight or 10, one one to two dollar cards and a lot is pretty difficult you know you might get say eight bucks for it i i don't know maybe it's not difficult but i i've had i have not had great success lotting stuff up um i've tried to do it with some like football stuff that i had in the past you know like say a bunch of uh not not your peyton manning and tom brady level but other other players and i just i haven't really been able to to do it successfully yeah how about you? I, you you lot stuff up though, right? I tend to do that. I don't have the patience to like list a 1990 hoops Tim Hardaway rookie, but I like say 1990s Hall of Fame rookie cards, and then I list like 12 of them for three bucks or something crazy. Uh, and eventually, those things will sell. I it's usually hardly any money at all, but it always feels great to me to get rid of that many cards at once. I don't know why. Like I love cards, but it also feels amazing to get rid of cards. It's weird, right? Yeah, I don't. What does that tell me? I'm not sure. I don't know. Like I, you know, I've got all my stuff like to sell or that is currently listed, basically in in one one box, one small shoe box, and 
there's sometimes when I'm just like, you know what? I wish I could just take 50 of these and put them in one lot and just, just dump them, you know? Yeah. That's uh, I've been doing that with Jordans too. Like the, all those, you know, in the nineties, upper deck made a million box sets of Jordan that, yeah. And so I don't know, one at a time would probably be better, but I tend to just group things like this is from this weird set. Give me, you know, 70% of what they would be individually and, and let's move on. Yeah. So I know I, I told you I haven't been buying much. I don't think you, I don't know if you've been buying much, but I do know that you've got some fun stuff uh, going on. So so what's new with you? I have been buying too much for sure, but uh, we don't <laughs> have to discuss that too much. Uh, my uh, my through the mail thing has been starting to be actualized. So I think I've gotten four cards back now. And yesterday was the most exciting day. Got the Bob Cousy card back, which was delightful to me. Yeah, that, that was so awesome. It's from the 1961. It's not the not the base like regular card, which would be even cooler because it, it's a perfect template for an autograph because it's kind of bright but light colored in the background. This yep. is a quote-unquote in-action card, which we're going to get to later in this thing. Yep. Um, but anyway, big, bold autograph. Probably his signature's, I don't know, a third to half of the card. And then he personalized it to me at the top, wrote to Nathaniel and then he wrote some I still can't understand what there's like a word in the middle that I don't know what it is so I, I hope to figure that out someday but it says to Nathaniel uh, something in, in illegible and then uh big old Bob Cousy signature really awesome sorry I'm looking at the picture because you sent it to me I'm trying to see if I could read it too like like I'll yeah. be able to see it <laughs> through the digital image better maybe, than you maybe you can comprehend it uh yeah I was just giddy when i got that thing so uh and i know he signs everything but still dude's a legend former mvp he's like 92 93 years old so i don't know how long he's gonna be doing this so i was delighted to get it yeah i i am too i'm really happy for you i know you were kind of on the fence about sending it in the in the first place uh but i i think it worked out really well i, I would be super pumped for that and that alone is nearly making me want to want to do this myself yeah you should do it, man. Uh, yeah, the card, that has to be the most expensive card I send off. I don't know. I mean, it's not like great condition, but um, yeah, it was a little scary just to send that in a plain envelope and, uh, you know, no tracking, nothing. But man, these guys are getting them back fast, the ones I've gotten so far. I, I yeah, can't so even you... really believe it. It's like within a week and this is just standard mail. I sent it. Yeah, it, it's pretty, pretty amazing because like it was like what, last Friday or so when you were getting it ready and it's next Friday now? Yeah, let's see. I have I have all my dates. I've got a spreadsheet. Let's see. Look at you. I sent it on uh, the 8th and got it back on the 16th. Wow. That's crazy. So uh, you got Koozie. Who, who else did you get? Uh, I got Gail Goodrich yesterday, which also the... I don't love 1969 tops, but it works really well for autographs because there's lots of white on it. Um, so he a of, there's a lot of space on it too yeah lots of space because like it's a tall, tall boy card board. yeah yeah so he he had very nice handwriting i gotta say he wrote uh to nathaniel and both these guys spelled my name right which is uh my the spelling of my name's a little unusual so that was cool um then he wrote his name and wrote whatever year he made the hall of fame um so that was really cool and i bought that card for three dollars at a card show and now we've got a cool uh, you know, on-card autograph from it. So I'm pretty pumped about that. And then the other two I got back uh, prior to that were 
um, Adrian Dantley and Jamal Wilkes. So, so far all Hall of Famers, so pretty awesome. Did you uh, did you look up Jamal Wilkes's uh, jump shot yet? No, I need to do that. You told me it's it's funky, huh? I, I'm I'm like ninety nine percent sure it's like extremely. It's got he's got this like big loop, big like looping uh, wind up. It's okay, interesting. Okay, I like a distinctive jump shot. Like I always think of the uh, Bill Cartwright's jump shot. Do you remember that thing? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and guys like Tyrese Halliburton are memorable now. I don't always love the aesthetics of it, but I like that it's memorable. So you've got four four of these back. Like obviously they're rock cards. Like what's your how do you what's your plan with them? What do you do next? Are you gonna encase them or or what? Um, I think maybe the koozie. I don't think the other ones are valuable enough. Or you know, I I feel pretty confident that they're the real autographs I, I got them from them they look like they're autographs in other situations so i think i'm just happy to have them in my you know my one of the things in my pc is uh, hall of fame rookie cards slash hall of fame autographs and so that that like double dips that category in a pretty awesome way for me so i think they're just kind of pc cards for me i might get the koozie uh authenticated and encased because um because that's more awesome but i don't i don't really see a reason to yeah, have PSA thirty five dollars for the Dantley <laughs> or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. As so, much as yeah. Let me. So I, I, uh, I think I've talked to you before about you know I've got in my office here I've got a shelf that I try to keep. Um, you know I want to keep the stuff that I that I want a PC on it. Like I, I don't know if I've ever asked you. Do you display your cards or like how do you what do you do with your PC? I don't. I, I think I'm enough of a child of the '90s where um, a lot of those cards, like the finest and the Chrome cards that you know were the best cards of that era do not do well if if in light so yeah, yeah so that that scares me even though i know like there's a lot of these cards that it would be okay with um i think i've always thought of that as a um bad idea so i've got them in shoe boxes i've got them like organized by last name so i know where to look for them but yeah they're in shoe boxes in a drawer under my bed actually <laughs> awesome well, that's I, cool, man. I, I really think it would be cool to display them, but I, yeah, I've never done it so far. Or, or even, I mean, and we've actually kind of kicked around an idea for, you know, like kind of counting down our top top cards or whatever. But even like take a few, right, and just put them on a shelf somewhere or something. Yeah, I think it would be pretty neat because it's. I mean, you spend a lot of time on it, right? Yeah, for sure. Or I should at least start a card-related Instagram where I can start photo documenting them, and then I can easily look at them that way as well. Yeah, that'd be cool too. I'd, I'd, uh, I'd follow you. All right. Yeah, I, <laughs> I keep considering it, but I, I don't love social media or, or try to spend too much time there. So, haven't done it so far. Yep. Yeah. I, I can understand that. So, any, so anything else? Are you? Have you? Do you have any indication that any of your other um, send offs are coming in soon or anything? Or is well, it? It's total, totally blind. Like yeah, just... that that's kind of what's exciting about it is there's no way to know. The only ones I could know are both Rick Barry and Dirk Nowitzki um, have like donation requests that I that were sent via check. So like Rick Barry asks for twenty bucks to his uh, United Methodist Church he attends, and Dirk Nowitzki it's for the Dirk Nowitzki Foundation. So if those checks get cashed, that'll give me a clue. Um, but otherwise I I kind of enjoy that about it. Like it's a, a total surprise, uh, Easter egg sort of situation when they arrive in the mail. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's kind of the main thing. Uh, Certainly the thing I've been most excited about, been buying some other stuff. I can't, 
I can't lie, but uh, yeah, I don't. We don't necessarily need to talk about that. <laughs> so, for my for my own, uh, I don't know, <laughs> feelings of self worth. So okay, so that means nothing, nothing noteworthy then. No, definitely noteworthy. Okay, I'll say yesterday or two days ago, I got you know how I'm doing this 96 finest refractor thing. Yep. I got my first. Uh, no, that's not true. I have a Ray Allen refractor, but uh, of Kobe or Iverson, I got my first uh, refractor of one of them. It's Iverson, yeah. Iverson's number 240 PSA 7, uh, which I got for cheaper than a PSA 6 went for. So I, I felt pretty great about that. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. Uh, not my favorite of Iverson's finest. He's got three in the set, but uh, it's still pretty great. So before uh, before we get into so I, I do want to do a PC spotlight too, but I, and I didn't I didn't give you this in my kind of like outline, but I wanted to let you know you know but, so my I told you my cousin uh, is living with us and after my daughter goes to bed we've been playing board games or cards almost every single night like we mostly we have a card game that we play or we will play um, Ticket to Ride or Settlers of Catan and I. Nice. I you suggested to us tickets ride. We actually had it unopened, had never played it. None of us had, and we've been playing it quite a bit. It's a lot of fun. So it was a great recommendation. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No problem. That's a great game. My, yeah. uh, my parents particularly are obsessed with that game and buy like, I don't even know how many versions of it they have. Cause they keep making new ones like right, uh, right. Europe and India. And anyway, so my parents probably have 20 different versions of that game. Yeah, it's uh we've we've had a lot of fun with it. It's been fun, and it was also fun too with all th- none of us having played before, um to like kind of learn it together. You know, yeah. no one no one had strategies, and we weren't being told by someone who's like seasoned, you know, how to play or you know what we should or shouldn't be doing or whatever. So that's been that's been kind of cool too. Are you dominating now that you've got the hang of it? Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> that's awesome. That's a weird like at least. It's a weird game to me psychologically in that any other game I'm very like strategic and I just want to win and who cares what that means for everyone else. But in that game, I never play defensively. I like, I don't try to block people and it feels mean to do so. I don't, I don't know why that is, but in any other game, I would definitely block people. I don't. Okay. So you're totally correct because I, I actually don't even know why that would be, but the, the other day, I like bought, basically I had to to complete my route, so it wasn't just being being defensive. But I ended up boxing in, um, boxing in my cousin, and I felt terrible about it. <laughs> like yeah. she, she just couldn't get out and couldn't complete her routes. And uh, but yeah, same same thing. Like any other game, I, I do everything I can just to win. You know, because that's to me that's the goal, right? Like yeah, my mom doesn't want to play games with me anymore, basically, because she she wants to play to have fun, right? And I'm playing to win, which means sometimes that <laughs> sometimes my winning uh, affects her fun. So agreed. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, huh? Like yeah, when when it's for your route and you block someone, that's different. But to just like see, oh, that person needs that gap in their route right there. I'm gonna play my thing there. I never do it. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for indulging me in some some board game talk. Uh, all right. Maybe so, this can become a a card and board game podcast. Can become nerdier all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I also have some TV stuff I want to catch up with you on uh, sometime too. But we'll, we'll skip. We'll save that for next time. All right. He sees. He sees. He sees.
Do you, do you have a card that you want to spotlight? Yeah, well, I, I chose one that was apropos of our, we're, we're going to discuss the 1961 Fleer set because I've been uh, hounding you that we need to talk about some vintage sets. Yeah. So so I picked uh, my favorite card that I have from that set, which is the uh, Elgin Baylor number three, his rookie card. Got it in a, a snazzy SGC 2.5. Um, I think it's an awesome looking card. I love the aesthetics of that set. Um, I like his pose in the shot. It looks great in SGC. I gotta say, like I, I usually think SGC looks great, but it particularly the the colors and everything are nicely framed and and pop in the SGC label. Um, so yeah, that's one of my favorites for sure. I would eventually like to have um, I don't know, maybe the whole set, but definitely the the key rookies from that set. But that's a long way off. Those are expensive. Yeah. But yeah, that that's a cool card, and it's a, and it's a great player, you know, Hall of Fame player that uh, yeah. I think would be really cool to have. Yeah, for sure. One of the great Lakers. Feel like he's often forgotten in those lists of great yeah. Lakers, but yeah. uh, from what I gather, he's sort of the one of the first uh, above the rim sort of players. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's a good one. So for for me, I, you know, I just had a uh, uh, an episode with Istanbul Cards, John, and uh, we talked about his affinity for the U.S. Men's National Team and and his collection of Claudio Reyna. And so, like for for my card today, uh, for my PC, it's a it's actually a kind of an interesting one. It's a 2021 Parkside National Women's Soccer League Volume Two. So that's uh basically the a uh, women's professional american soccer league uh so I, I don't have you ever even seen these in stores no i don't i don't know any i've heard somehow i heard about parkside maybe there was a interview on a podcast about women's sports recently um but i don't know anything about it so they come in like these little like hanger boxes basically and as far as i know that's the only way that they're sold i don't think that there's like a hobby box of it or anything um and you get 25 cards a box well uh, for a long time in my area, it's the only thing that was available. And, you know, I wouldn't say I'm like a huge, huge women's soccer fan, but I mean, I definitely like make it appointment viewing for the World Cup and and do follow it uh, at least some. And uh, so I bought a few of these and uh, I pulled this, I pulled this like pretty cool Carly Lloyd, right? Carly nice. Lloyd, everyone knows Carly Lloyd. So like I looked it up later and I learned that while it's not serial, there was only a hundred of them printed. Oh, wow. And uh, a cool thing about Parkside is they actually do print pack odds for some of the insert sets and stuff and um, give you the uh, print runs for some of the sets too. So like I was, really? I was able to, did some math, found out basically the odds of pulling that card was one in like every 1500 boxes or so. Oh, wow. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty freaking cool. And Carly is, you know, obviously an all-time sort of U.S. soccer great, like second all-time in caps, third all-time in goals, I think maybe fifth in assist also, which is all particularly impressive given that she mostly played out of the midfield. I mean, yeah. she's playing pretty playing forward quite a bit uh, or like, like more like an attacking mid, especially towards the later, later parts of her career. But yeah, she, she, she was awesome. And I think that's a really cool card. It's definitely one that doesn't hold that, that much value. I think, I think the last one sold for like 40 or 50 bucks, but it's definitely a keeper for me. That's awesome. Did I, I don't know if we've discussed on here, do you know what I've got going on with women's soccer coming up? Uh, I guess not. 
my my family uh so when i was a kid we lived in australia a couple times because my okay. dad was a professor and he took his sabbaticals there anyway so my family's doing this big trip to australia this summer to show the in-laws and the and the grandkids some of the oh, yeah. our old, old stomping grounds and we realized that the women's world cup is going to be there while we're there and we bought a ticket to go to a match so yeah my whole, my whole family's going to a women's world cup match this this summer yeah you well, did tell me that that's awesome. winter in australia but summer for us that's that should be so much fun i know i'm excited and it was like incredibly reasonable the prices of tickets i bet i bet i would love i would love a chance to go yeah, I think it's like the first round of the knockouts, maybe, is what our match is. So, pretty exciting. Yeah, for sure. So, like, any, any, I would, well, I would love to go to any game, but especially, like, a knockout round game would be awesome. Yeah, because it's a knockout round game, we have no idea who will, who, who we will be seeing. And because we're seeing them in Brisbane, I would imagine it's not going to be, like, the any of the big teams because uh i think they'll probably put those in sydney or melbourne but uh anyway still exciting yeah yeah for sure so you you uh talked about the 61 fleer set so do you want to you want to go a little deeper on that yeah um for me this is kind of i guess a lot of people would say 86 fleer but for me this is the the greatest set of basketball cards that was ever made it's got 14 uh, hall of fame rookies in it including the rookie cards of wilt and jerry west and oscar robertson elgin baylor as we mentioned lenny wilkins so some some huge figures in basketball and aesthetically it's just you know it blows away for me the 57 tops 48 bowman 69 tops um so at, at least in terms of any sort of vintage cards it's easily the coolest to me it's also got there's Bill Russell and Bob Cousy, not their rookies, but yeah. um, all-time great players. And I, I like that it's a very concentrated set. There's only 40, 44 yeah. players in the set and then 22 of the quote-unquote in-action cards. So they're all they're all studs, you know. Um, that was the thing, you know, so like, as you know, I don't know that much about uh, vintage, especially vintage basketball. And as you asked me to look at this so i did and that was the one thing the first thing that stuck out to me too is like just like it's very compact right 44 like you said 44 card base set another another 22 in action cards and you just named a whole bunch of players you didn't even mention you know like bob pettit or jack twyman or cliff hagan or sam jones like or richie Guerin or halleck greer like all, all of these guys are just uh you know a part of the fabric of like the the story of the of professional basketball right like and it's it's pretty amazing that in that 44 card set there's so many just historically great players in it yeah yeah i think so and i think they're just awesome looking cards like the the wilt rookie card and the jerry west uh they're just i don't know they're they're just compelling pictures and i think the design is great like there's a simplicity to it but a artisticness that uh a lot of the you know sets that would follow that especially um especially the late 70s sets and um whatever they they just don't hold that sort of aesthetic appeal to me uh so i yeah i just love the set i think it's very condition sensitive obviously so it's it's hard you know if you're a um someone with millions of dollars you can chase the 
PSA sevens or whatever of these cards, but someone like me, it is attainable to get the Elgin Baylor 2.5, you know? So yeah. I like, I like that variety that like, you know, obviously a Wilt PSA nine is a, you know, a crazy card that only um, Matt Turner or whatever is chasing. But for me, I could someday get maybe an authentic Wilt Chamberlain rookie card for more money than I'd like to admit. But um, yeah, there's a whole range on it. And then there's yeah. just like a, uh, I like that there's for my card thing there's or for my through the mail thing there's probably still you know somewhere maybe 10ish of the guys are still alive so I've been I've been watching all those auctions even the players I'd never heard of just cuz um it's a perfect template for an awesome on card autograph and so I've already sent off one to Cliff Hagen um I just sent off two more yesterday of kind of no-name guys, one of whom lives in Portland, and I was thinking would be awesome if we could figure out how to interview him for this podcast, but probably never going to happen. But uh, anyway, uh, I just for me, one of the best-looking sets and just obviously historically significant as the third real mainstream basketball set ever made. Yeah, yeah, I, I really like it too. I, I think it's, it's just interestingly put together. I think you call it, you know, like artistry or artistic so it's got like the at least the base set right a silhouette a black and white photo silhouette of of each player on a colored background and let me ask you this though do, do are okay are so the, like the elgin baylor you, sh you shared earlier right like i looked that up it's got like a maroon background right uh -huh. kind of a dark a deep red is that are all of them the same color and is there any rhyme or reason to the coloring of the background Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, let me think about it. I'm going to look at a couple players and see. No, because, like, look at the Jerry West. Uh, do you have eBay up? Just look 1961 Jerry West. It's got, like, a yellow, and it's got this weird... I think they yeah. kind of, like, invented the uh, mascots for the team. So yeah. there's, like, this weird <laughs> giraffe that goes with the Lakers, and the <laughs> Celtics have some crazy little leprechaun guy. Um Anyway, I also like that about it, that they just have these odd mascots that I don't think are at all associated with the real teams. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know the rhyme or the reason. Obviously, with the Lakers, it's got that yellow on that one. Um, but, yeah, I think they're different. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I like I like them, too. I think it's a – well, not having any experience with it. I, I don't own one or anything like that. But you, you mentioned something about the late 70s sets. Like, I do have a couple of those, like, just kind of random, you know, Nate Archibald or Earl of Pearls and stuff like that. And I I really don't care that much for them. But, but these, there's something about it. Like, one, it's significantly older. You know, it's 10, 15, 18 years older than some of those, some of those cars I'm talking about. And two, there's just something about it that is really pretty freaking cool. I just think it's from an era when design was awesome, and I like that that's reflected in the cards. Uh, so I think that's cool. Um, we should talk about it later, but there are a couple awesome 70s sets. I really like 1971 and 72, so I don't want to besmirch all of them. But, okay. but the later, the later, like 77, those kind of cards are are just super boring, going into the 80s when when they're all boring. All right, so... You you mentioned to me that you, that you uh, are like just down on shooting guards compared to it seems like everybody else in the hobby. Do you want to expand expand on that a little bit? And because I have a I have a theory, at least a little bit of a theory on this that I I wanted to share. Yeah, I was just 
reflecting to you when we were chatting the other day that it seems like when it comes to the players that I'm most disparate to how at least I perceive the hobby to view these guys, it, it tends to always be shooting guards. So like, you know, famously in our small circle, I'm, I'm not that big on Tyrese Maxey. Uh, I think Anthony Simons is super overrated. Um, even your, your good friend, Anthony Edwards, I'm, I'm less excited about him for sure than the hobby. Um, and, and the list could go on. Um, and I, yeah, so that's where this came up is I, I thought we should, I discussed, should we rank shooting guards? Should we talk about why this is? And, and it sounds like you came up with a, a theory about this. Yeah. I mean, my, so I have a, there's kind of two parts to this hypothesis, but essentially my, my thought is there's, I'm going to give the, the minor part first and then the major, the major part second. So like one is, you know, these players I think are fun because most of them, right. Can both produce big dunks, big dunks and hit threes. Obviously they they all score points, right. Which is, I mean, scoring points is a good way to get your name into consideration for, for hobby love. Right. Like I don't, I don't know that anyone's like clamoring to, to uh, collect the, the best, you know, help side <laughs> defender or whatever. Right. Other than me. <laughs> yeah. So I think one, just scoring points is good, right? Uh, at least in terms of, you know, hobby consideration. But I think the bigger consideration, especially for the young guys, the guys that you talked about, the Cam Thomas and Simons and Maxi, and even, you know, Edwards and Jalen Green to an, to an extent is, I guess, kind of like the allure that one day they could be the, the fulcrum of the offense. I mean, if you think about Donovan Mitchell, the question for a while was like, will they ever give him the keys to be the point guard? And can he do it, right? Like, can he run the offense himself? kind of like maybe not the point guard point guard but like the de facto point guard right like the the guy who the entire offense runs through always um but at at shooting guard size and athleticism right not not a you know smaller point guard size most of these guys are six you know what six three to six six or so yeah uh, you know so i think i think there's some allure that they can especially for those younger guys that I'm talking about that you that you listed too, like that they could grow into more than being just a point scorer, but, but just be the person that the entire offense runs through. Yeah. And I wonder you can go ahead with your point, but I wonder if part of my bias is like, I tend to like point guards, but maybe, you know, I look at LaMelo ball and I'm like, Oh, he's having to do so much on offense and he's so skinny. He's never going to be a good defender. Whereas I look at um, someone like Donovan Mitchell, who's, you know, a lot stouter, uh, has a great wingspan. And, and in the past, it made me mad that he was such a bad defender. So I think I have this like unconscious bias that, you know, Steph Curry, you know, he has how, how can he be an amazing defender with how, how little he is? So uh, I think that's part of where my bias is coming in. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm, I, I've actually mentioned this before, and you don't actually see it every game, but that's one of the reasons, especially for Edwards, that I'm still hopeful that uh, that he can continue his growth. Because I've definitely, for sure, seen him in situations like pressure situations, you know, in the game stuff where he he can he can he really can defend. Didn't he just do that the other way other day against your Mavs? I, yeah. I heard there was some. Yeah. They bottled up uh, Luca and Kyrie at the end of the game. Yeah, that was that was uh, Edwards and Jalen McDaniel. Uh, Jaden, Jaden, yeah, thank you. Ed, Edwards and Jaden McDaniel's, yeah, they they were all over Luca and Kyrie, and they had this kind of uh, your turn, no, you take it, no, you take it, 
kind of thing. And then it just ended in a turnover and the game was over. <laughs> yeah. So that wasn't great. I definitely agree with you that Edwards has that potential, but I guess that's part of what frustrates me is that in, in so many ways he seems uh, inconsistent to me or like uh, his motivation waxes and wanes. Like, yeah. And I like, he's so likable, but I'm also like, how do you eat honey buns all day and think that's a good idea? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, think... I know that's part of my thing with him is that I agree that he's got all the potential in the world, but I, I'm less bullish on him realizing it. Well, who was it? So who went back to the, uh, to the, thun to the Timberwolves in, in this trade season? Mike Conley. Conley. Yeah. So I think it was Conley. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I heard, I saw a quote from him where they, he said the first thing that Anthony Edwards asked him was if he plays Call of Duty. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and I, you know, I showed you, or I shared with you the interview that he did on, on uh, I think it was Austin Rivers podcast. And, uh, there was definitely a lot of like stuff other than basketball that he seemed to care a lot about that is a benefit to no one. Especially right? football. Dude loves football. He loves football. He loves What's... football, snack foods, and, you know, video games, I guess. Well, and he's what, 21 years old? Like, I get it. Yeah. He's a kid. So, uh, you know, there's a chance that this all turns around and I look like an idiot. A really good chance, to be honest. Well, um, you know, the thing that 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 interview that was that was exactly the thing that it reminded me of. It's like these these guys are kids, you know. He's yeah. twenty one years old. Like I, yeah. when I was twenty one, I was doing eating way worse than that and doing worse stuff. And like certainly no one was asking me to to <laughs> like tell them about my life on a you know on a right. national like podcast or whatever. Right. What do you think of, about that? that theory though right like the that simons or maxi and you know jalen green and cam thomas's of the world could eventually be not just a a scorer like a microwave six-man type scorer but the the guy who runs the team like that's that's part of the allure i think for a lot of people yeah i think that might be i think these are individual cases though like i've never seen maxi make a high level pass like he i see him drive really hard and pass to obvious people who are open but to me, I don't see that creator sort of gene within him. And maybe that can grow, um, but I don't think he has it. And then I think Simons, he's been around long enough. I, I think we can just say he's destructively bad on defense. So um, I, don't, I don't foresee his high-level potential because of that. Like, I don't think you can play him that much. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, I think that is the allure people see in them. But I, I think they're not looking at the individual games enough uh if they're making that case like i i think um simons is passing is better than maxi but his defense is atrocious whereas i i think maxi's bad on defense now but I, I think he tries and i think he could get better a la steph curry um so yeah it's kind of a mixed bag for me on, yeah. on the case you're making well i think you're, i think i mean the truth is like the median outcome for these guys is probably not what what people are hoping for when they're buying their cards, myself included. I've got several Maxis and Edwards and Jalen Greens. And uh, I, I think you're, you definitely have like more of a, a realist take, which is probably, you know, from a dollar's perspective, the, the right way to go with these guys. So, yeah, but, but I would make the distinction on Jalen Green. Like he's, he's bigger. Like that's part of it for me is like, what, what is Maxi going to become when he, he's never going to be bigger than he is now like that. And that's a limitation unless you're, you know, um, a Lillard, Steph Curry sort of special player. 
Um, but Jalen Green could become something different because of his size and athleticism. Um, and the same with Edwards. Obviously, you, you know, I don't think his – I think in terms of defense and, and shooting and explosiveness, he's got all that. I, he's, he's not a good passer at this point, um, but maybe that can come. But, yeah, so I would distinguish some of these guys. Like I think best-case scenario, Jalen Green and Anthony Edwards could be top 10 players easily. Uh, I don't see that for some of the other guys that, that people fall in love with. If I were going to bet on these guys, I would bet on Edwards and Jalen Green. So I, I pulled a list of the of the shooting guards this year with the scoring more than 20 points per game, right? So like pretty simple, not, not, a, not a lot of thought went into it. So it's like guys like Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Zach Levine, you know, Clay, CJ McCollum, Desmond Bain, Bradley Beal, like none of, even the best of them, right? Donovan Mitchell is pro- probably, I mean, mm-hmm. one, one of the best two so. guards in the East for sure this season, I think. Yeah. And I don't hear anyone saying, like, even still, I don't hardly hear anyone saying like, yeah, we need to look at donovan mitchell devin booker has been to the finals right and been Mm -hmm. one of the best players on one of the best teams for the last several years and while i know that there are people who like him and you know like his game and stuff like that i still i don't hear that much about him and none of the other guys either so i think you have a a fair point there uh just in terms of being skeptical i think for some you would think that shooting guards would kind of be the biggest draws in the hobby but i think it's and, and i think for the best player ever or or top 20 players yes for like jordan and kobe but otherwise like we forget about clyde drexler we forget about um yep. all these guys so i i think you've got to you've either got to be really top tier or you've got to have a more well-rounded game um you know like even tracy mcgrady so i don't know maybe it's just that there aren't that many players who are going to be become valuable in the hobby and i don't think these guys are on that level so that's part of it is I, i'm just thinking long-term with this stuff, which is, you know, like you can flip a Simons card now. That's not, that's not wrong. Um, But I I think my mindset is generally like, what's this card going to be worth in 10 years? Um, Which is probably what, you know, that's just me. That's not right or wrong. Yeah, fair. I I think, uh, like I said, from a reasonableness perspective, I think you're definitely on, on the side of reasonableness. Yeah. But I mean, the more we talk about this, the more I can see the case for Edwards because uh, while, well, I think it's unlikely he hits it. He has that potential that I think these other guys don't have. So t- talking about potential, do you want to talk some all-star stuff? Yeah, let's do it. I, uh, you Part of what you wrote in here is, are you watching any of it? And I don't think I have a way to, for one thing. Like, I don't have cable. I just have a league pass. Um, but I, I wouldn't anyway. I would watch the – I might watch the dunk contest and the three-point contest, but – the all-star game itself is is pretty unwatchable to me with the, with how it's just a layup line. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I'm also not a big fan of the all-star game itself. Although I do think it would be kind of cool to watch the rising star stuff. I, I don't even, I don't even know if this is true, but I guess in my head, my thought is like these guys might want to actually show out a little bit more than than you know the NBA the top NBA veteran all stars. And uh, I I I kind of want to watch them. Did nice. you so? Did you look at any of the Rising Stars teams? Do you have a favorite? Uh, let me pull it up here. You talk about your feelings about it while I try to get where I can see what's going on. Yeah, so the, so there's three teams of you know rookies and sophomores, and then one team of G League players. Like there's a there's two teams that I think are pretty interesting. Team uh, Joakim, right? So I guess this, I don't even know for sure, but I assume this is Joakim Noah is coaching it or something. Yeah, I would think so. It's kind of interesting because in some ways I think he kind of 
uh, I don't know if he got to choose the team or what, but it's kind of muddled after after him, right? So you got yeah. he created a team in his own image. Yeah, you've got these players like um, that are kind of sort of Swiss Army knife type knife type players. Like even if they're not all same position, but I see like Jalen Williams. I think can do a little bit of everything. Jeremy Sochan, which I actually came up in my in my head yesterday. I thought of a, a sort of a comp for him that I would like to go and look up would be like Sean Marion. Uh, I've watched him. A, I've watched him a little bit. I think he can score some, but he he does a lot of the other the other things, and he also has a, a kind of broken shot. Given the uh, right, which and he and he looks he's... like uh, Dennis Rodman in 1995 on the yeah. Spurs, which is <laughs> enjoyable to me. Yeah, so so you got him, and then also you know Evan Mobley, who again two way player, better offensively than than Joakim was, but you know a great defensive player, and then. And then some other just interesting, but kind of flawed guys, right? Like Giddy and Jalen Duran and Jabari Smith. I think that team is actually pretty interesting. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they have enough scoring really to win. I don't know what the games are going to look like or anything, but I, I would like to watch it for sure. Yeah. Kind of lacks shooting, which makes sense for Joe Kim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who can shoot? Jabari Smith can maybe shoot. Quentin Grimes, I guess, can shoot if he's open. Does Jalen Williams? I haven't watched enough Jalen Williams. Is he a good shooter? He's, I, I don't know what his, what his percentages look like, but, you know, I saw – I went to the Mavs and OKC game, like, early on in the season. I think it was, like, the seventh to eighth game of the year, and he was – I don't know. I don't think he even had good numbers that game, but you could just tell watching him, like, the guy is – he's a baller. Like, he, he just does – seems to me, just from my limited experience watching him, that he just know, kind of knows what to do and is in the right places – and he's got yeah. good athleticism, and he can't get to the rim, and he can't he can shoot some, but I don't know what his percentages look like. Can I put in a request for them to trade the other Jalen Williams? That's very confusing for me. Yeah, yeah, he's actually been playing okay. Basically, I know, what I, what which which, which makes it more annoying though, because I see fourteen points, <laughs> seven rebounds, and four assists in the in the box score, and I don't know which one it is. You really don't, because even the the guard Jalen Williams can get. Exactly. Uh, puts up numbers like that. Yeah. They put up kind of similar, like the rebounds is really the only way I can distinguish it. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of that. I, I would like them to trade the other guy. Um, what was I going to say? I, I think technically Josh Giddy's maybe shooting okay on three pointers, but I, I yeah. continue to be skeptical of that. Um, yeah. That is a, I, I mean, you know, I love Evan Mobley. Um, I want Quentin Grimes to do good because I have a contender's rookie card of him that I'd like to sell. Um, yeah, so that team's interesting to me. And obviously, I love Joakim Noah. Someone was asking me the other day, post the um, dynasty, who my favorite Bulls player of all time was. And and I said either Joakim Noah or Luol Deng. Man, that is so weird. I I swear, I, I had that in my head today to ask you. It was like, oh, really? non-current players, but... Uh, oh, like, you don't have to worry your... about the current players being on that list. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, I I actually was a big uh, Noah fan too. Going back to the Florida days, I love that Florida team, and I I like Corey Brewer was a guy that I really yeah. enjoyed watching. And yeah, I'm surprised. I feel like I feel like Joakim Noah is one of those guys that a uh, little. Uh, we've talked about this with Dylan Brooks that yeah. well, and not necessarily with him, but one of those guys that he needs to be on your team for you to like him. So I'm surprised you liked him. Well, as as far as I can remember, I don't remember having him having any like run-ins with the Mavs or anything, which I. When I go back through my list of guys that I don't really like, that that seems to be the primary factor. <laughs> so <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, we should talk about Dwayne Wade. Just kidding. So, what's the other team you're interested in? 
So I, well, I think a lot of people, and we can, we, we don't have to go in as in depth on these other teams, but like, I think a lot of people will probably pick team pow just because it's got some names that everyone I think will look at and say like, yeah, this is a good team, right? Let's get the, the Paolo's and Scotty Barnes and even like Jose Alvarado kind of made a name for himself last, last year. So I think like the casual fan, like probably will, will have heard of most of these names more so. Um, but my, my other favorite team is team Darren. Those. Yeah, to me, looking at that roster, that's the one that I would pick to win. So tell me why, because I'd be interested in that. Because I think it's just like, uh, I mean, I, I would hope they don't play Bones Highland too much because that could mess it up for me. <laughs> but otherwise, I feel like it's just a team that makes sense together. Like Franz, Franz Wagner is sort of like the ultimate connecting piece. Jalen Green can be your dynamic creator you've got aj griffin to space you've got walker kessler to block all the shots you've got trey murphy to space you've got shin goon who can come in and uh you know be a post creating hub uh, I, I just like like it makes sense to me as a team in a way that like team Joakim. i probably like if you wanted me to invest in cards i would individually invest in more of them because of how i feel about mobley but um if you want a team i love team darren like that that team Makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I agree. My my thought was like Shingun and, and Wagner can kind of play in any system, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, which is which is really not that not not. So now I'm looking at it. You know, Paolo and I think Scotty Barnes probably could too, and kind of fill the same roles. But as you mentioned, you know, you've got Kessler, which I, you know I think he's been pretty good, but Team Pow just doesn't have any bigs when you actually look at the roster. Um. And I, I agree. I think Team Darren is just set up. They just kind of have all the different pieces. And even like a Trey Murphy can do, you know, he can hit the three and he can just sort of yeah. do do a little bit of everything and be, yeah. I think. I really like Trey Murphy. Yeah, I do too. We'll and I, I, I think Team Powell, like they're all kind of similar, like Matherin, Barnes, Ben Caro, their best use is driving to the basket. Um, Ivy too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Keegan Murray is the one like who can space for you, and Alvarado's hit some threes this year. But really, it's just sort of similar players. Whereas Team Darren has has your spacers and your drivers and your defenders. Like, yeah, I just like that team. I would pick that for sure. I, yeah. I would like to see Scoot Henderson. So speaking of the other team, yeah, I would too. I would enjoy seeing that. What that looks like because I really only saw a little bit when he faced off against Wemby. But um, otherwise, I haven't watched him at all. Yeah, to me, I mean, in that one game or two games I, uh, that I watched some highlights of and stuff, I thought he looked really, really good. And I, this is also a team, too. Like, I don't know how – I don't – again, I don't know how it worked even last year, but I feel like that G League team is going to go out there and, like, play to win. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you would think, right? Like, th these guys are trying to make the make the pros, right? So Yeah, of course. And I got I to gotta cheer for Scottie Pippen Jr., of course. <laughs> yeah. And Kenny Lofton is, like – six feet tall and six feet across so it'll be interesting to watch him play yeah yeah for sure all right so uh we don't have to do much on dunk competition or or the game itself but i do i did put some stuff together for the three-point competition and what i thought i thought we would do is go through one by one and eliminate a winner so that by the end we've got two players and we can agree on who we think is going to win even if <laughs> even if was, if one of us have has eliminated the other's actual favorite Okay. Quick aside, though, who I would pick KJ Martin to win the dunk contest. Who would you pick? I, I, I think that's who I would pick too. Although I was looking at some some stuff on the dunk con, uh, con competition, like Jericho Sims, 
uh, is the tallest, which I, you know, I don't think those guys normally fare that well. Although, you know, Dwight Howard is one, Aaron Gordon one, but he had, he has a 44 and a half inch vertical. Apparently that's, that's crazy. How, so his head has to be above the rim then. Yeah. That's crazy. But I feel yeah. like you're right. I feel like we punish in general, we punish big men in dunk competitions. It's just not as impressive. I mean, because you you just start higher, closer to the rim. It's really cool to see a smaller guy, even though, you know, even KJ Martin is like, what, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, Trey Murphy's 6'9", so it's not like they're small guys either, but Mac McClellan's wow. a small guy. Trey, Trey Murphy's 6'9"? Yeah, I was, yeah. was kind of shocked too. Do you ever, sorry, we can get back to the real thing, but I, I keep eyeing Trey Murphy cards just because there's something there with him, but but I haven't I haven't made the leap yet. Yeah, I uh, I've got a few minor ones, um, and I've I've also kind of considered looking at it too, but I don't know. It seems seems kind of tough in his like I think he's a good player, but it seems tough in his current role, like on on his team. I mean, it's clear at clear what fourth, or I don't even know if it's clear, but he's at best the fourth best player on the team. Yeah, I guess to me it would just be a bet on that team becoming a thing. So, but right now that's not looking so hot. Yeah. Yeah. If I was betting on that, I think I'd rather go with Zion or Ingram, right? Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> but I do, I do like Trey Murphy also. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Let's do the three point contest thing. Do you want to go first or, or what? Oh, I would be glad to eliminate the first person because I feel really confident about this. Uh, yeah. So I guess Julius Randle just replaced Anthony Simons uh, because of the injury. Uh, yeah. S- Simons would have been a tough one where I would put him because he's got a he's got a nice shot. But uh, I, I feel pretty good about eliminating Randall. I think, you know, obviously he makes some threes, but there's a lot of uh, glitch to that shot and a lot of inconsistency. So I, I think he's the kind of player who will not fare well in a three-point contest. So I did some uh, some kind of half-assed like uh, data. So first of all, I would I would also eliminate Randall first. He was my my eighth pick, which means he'll probably you know make the finals or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I did some kind of some kind of half-assed uh, uh, research on like re- uh, three-point winners and stuff. And one of the, a couple of things that I found, right? Like catch and shoot guys normally do pretty pretty well and oftentimes the the players that that win shoot you know up around 40 percent or higher so you know you got your kind of classic shooters your buddy heels and joe harris and even eric gordon when he won and clay and steph steph's uh, a little bit of a different story because of the second thing that i found that's in common with most of these guys is like a, well it's the catch and shoot piece right so i also looked at their uh assisted like how many of their threes are they being assisted on versus self-creating, right? Like off the dribble. And uh, most, most of the time, like self-creation and threes, like doesn't really translate to great um, three-point contest <laughs> winning. Interesting. So all of this is leading up to me eliminating Jason Tatum next. Oh, I love that you dug into stats for this, by the way. I'm just <laughs> like, this is all off the top of my head, but I, I like that you had a theory of the case here. Oh, I have another. I have another piece I looked at too. I actually went and looked at some, uh, like, not analyzed, but looked at some shooting forms and stuff. Because I, I think I feel like you know a big shot or a big jump forward or something is uh, kind of a hindrance too. So I actually went and got some notes on those too. But yeah, I like it. I'll eliminate Tatum. So who, who do you got next? Interesting. I think I, I like your pick, but I'm surprised he's got such a pure shot. But he only makes what 35 percent of them. So um, probably because he takes difficult ones, but. I'm yeah, with probably. It. Uh, it hurts me to do this, but I think that 
Tyrese Halliburton has kind of a, a slow release on his shot with his funky set shot. I yep. think in some ways a set shot can be can be good for a three-point contest because you don't get tired as much going on as the jump shooters do. But I think his release is too slow, so I think he's going to struggle to get up the shots in a timely manner. Um, so I'm going to the, – the best Tyrese of 2020 is going to uh, be eliminated from my list, even though I love him. I also had him next to he is a he of all the participants actually um, has a, a what, what would you say a higher percentage of his threes are from self created than any other player in the in the field. That's because he's too busy assisting everyone else for anyone to assist him. <laughs> yeah, he's so. a beast. <laughs> Sorry, but, go ahead. Uh, yeah, his shooting form. Like I don't. I guess the form itself, as far as like arm action and everything, I, I don't have that much. It's strange, but I don't have that much of a problem with. But one thing I noticed, like watching him, is that he's just got an extra. I, I don't know if it's because because he's like creating so much space, but he just seems to have like an extra half second on his yeah. on his release than everybody yeah. else. I think it's too slow. All right, so um, so one of the guys that I actually think has a pretty decent chance of doing pretty so essentially of everybody else i think everybody else has got a pretty good chance of of winning so it's got much tougher for me after those first three but i'll i'll take out uh tyler here on the next okay 37 percent three-point shooter he's got a pretty effortless shot and he doesn't have a huge jump so um i think both of those are kind of good for this format and everything but just in general i think other guys are probably better pure shooters than than he is so yeah, I agree with that. I think I think of him more as a great eighteen foot shooter than twenty five foot shooter. Yeah, um, yeah, I would be cool with that. I think this is probably just bias from my Bulls years, but I I don't believe that Lowry Markinen is going to win this thing. Uh, in general, I don't think nearly seven foot players win this competition very often, and I think you know he's going to get tired quicker because I don't know why I think that because he's bigger. So that's my bias. Um, he is in the home home crowd, so maybe yep. that'll uh, buffet him to victory. But I just I don't think he's gonna outshoot Damian Lillard and Red Velvet, etc. Yeah, yeah. I actually I I really wanted to take him higher, but I actually had him next. Also, like you said, you know, just a big but. I mean, Cat won it last year, which uh, you know, and Dirk has won it before, and so it's not un it's not impossible for a big man to win it. But uh, yeah, he's got kind of like a a longish wind up and. The big body. I did did want to. <laughs> I, I do. I I guess I just love the hometown hero kind of kind of yeah. aspect of it. So I would love to see him do well. I don't. Yeah, I, don't I, I agree. I think that'd be great. Yeah, but I also I took him next. So we got three left, right? We got Buddy Hield, Kevin Herter, and Damian Lillard. Yeah, is that it? Uh, yeah, it looks like it. All right. So as much i think i think so this is dame's third time participating and i think i was really, gonna ask if you knew if he's done this before okay yeah it's his third time and i think he really wants that crown right steph's got a couple and i you know i think he he wants at least wants to be considered like the best shooter right or thinks of himself that way and he is he's one of the best shooters like ever right right but i think i'm i'm gonna eliminate him next next i mean i'm not uh, I'm not against it, but can you explain to me why you think that is? Yeah, uh, so this is <laughs> this is going back to the uh, the corny stat stuff, right? Like self creates a lot of his own shots. Thirty seven percent shooter. The other guys, you know, are higher percentage wise. Just like your point on Tatum, I think it's because <laughs> he takes more difficult threes than uh, than than the two guys left, Herder and and Heald. But 
I, I would love to see him win. I, I am a Dame fan, despite what uh, uh, some of our other conversations. So I would love to see him win. I just think, you know, in this format, those other guys maybe have a better shot. Yeah, I, I do feel like he kind of has that strange thing that I don't understand about Harden and, and Doncic, where they don't really take spot up threes that often. Um, so I, I wonder if it's unusual for him to just stand there and shoot uh, three pointers like that. So I'm not against that. I would love, you know, I like your idea of marking and winning, but if I had to choose who would win from this whole list, it would be Lillard for me. Um, so I hope that we're wrong on this, but I'm not opposed to what you're saying. All right, so so we got two left, right? Red, you you said uh, Red Velvet and Buddy Hield. Now Hield has won one before. Do you have a uh, Do you have a favorite of the two? I think for me, Hield like this is what he does. This is all he does. <laughs> he's an amazing three point shooter. I think he's got a very quick release. Uh, I think the stats show he's one of the best, you know, wide open three point shooters in the history of basketball. So, and yeah, I just think he's probably got a, a little bit of a quicker release than Herder. So that would be my guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's making 5.7 per hundred possessions, which is the most of everybody on the, in the field. And I was again, looking at form, he's got this like effortless, like really small hop, you know, he's not like getting a bunch of lift or anything. And it, I, I would, I'd like to see Kevin Herder win or someone new win, you know, win for the first time. But I also, I think, you know, I think the betting favorite has to be healed. Yeah. What are the Vegas odds on this, I wonder? I don't know. I'm sure they're out there, but I, I don't actually know what they are. Yeah, I don't know anything about this kind of stuff, but that, I don't think that would be a bad bet. Let's look it up, because I actually want to know. Give me one second. Yeah, look, I don't even know how to look it up, so I'm going to follow your lead on this. All right, so... The favorite is healed. Okay, so I'll just put it this way. I, I'm not going into the, the numbers, but just from a favorite perspective, it goes healed, Lillard, Herter, Tatum, Halliburton, Hero, Markin, and Randall. So not far off of what we would have said. No. What, do you, what are the odds, though? Like if I bet $100 on Buddy Healed, what would I make? Uh, 410. Hmm. I don't know if those odds are good enough for taking a one and eight shot. Uh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yield is plus 410, Lillard's plus 440, Herder's plus 525. Everybody mm -hmm. else is 600 and above. Okay. So maybe I'd bet on marking it at that point. Yeah. I mean, plus 750. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not in, I don't, I'm not a sports better, but. Ne yeah. Neither am I. I don't know if I'm allowed to in Oregon, but I wouldn't anyway. It's not, it's too stressful. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for going through that with me. Anything else you want to chat about? Uh, I think that's it. This was fun. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks a lot. Kyrie sucks. <laughs> yep. I, I wondered <laughs> if you had seen my name on the on the anchor. I just saw it as I went to look and see how you know how long we've been recording and everything, and I, I saw it now. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks, thanks for that. <laughs> that. That was for you. <laughs> All right, man. Well, this was great. I had a great time. Yeah, me too. All right, Talk bye. to you later. All right. Bye. Can you edit all this out of the podcast? This is a disaster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway.